on episode 87 of the Insure Tech Geek podcast, talking about cyber insurance, pains and gains with Gordon Malin from Alpha Secure. The InsureTech Geek Podcast, powered by JB Knowledge, is all about technology that's transforming and disrupting the insurance world. We'll be interviewing guests and doing deep dives into specific tech we see changing the industry. We're taking you on a journey through insurance tech, so enjoy the ride and geek out. And here we are. It's as we record this Friday, April 29th, 2022, not 2020. We're still in the 2020 time warp bubble. It's in the time space bubble along the time warp continuum um that is that means that uh it, it actually has been two years since COVID hit <laughs> and uh and 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 here and here we are uh i'm your 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 your, your lovely co-host james benham uh insure tech geek in college station texas home of texas a&m that's where i am but joining us from beautiful connect i cut otherwise known as connecticut i mean my, my main man here gordon malin from Alpha Secure. What's going on, Gordon? Uh, thanks, Shane. Pleasure, pleasure to be here. Ah, good. Just enjoying a nice sunny spring day in, in Connecticut. Yes. Yeah, like actual spring. Like the actual spring, spring. Spring has arrived. Yeah. Yeah, the snow has melted. The creeks the are flowers. full. The flowers are blooming. The blue the bluebirds are singing. The butterflies are flying. Life uh, is good. Life is good, you know. Yeah, like you, nice. sur- you survived another winter. Yeah, we did. The yeah. cold one. Not yeah. too bad. But. Ah, I don't know how you guys do it. I don't know how you do it. I mean, then again, we, we, we deal with, uh, you know, 70 days of 107 plus. Yeah, degrees was, degrees. I, was, I don't know how you do that. Yeah, it's hot and humid. But it's okay. It's all yeah. good. Everything, you know, everything's a trade-off. Because even the places with really great weather all the time, they have crazy high tax rates that are just as painful. So it's like you can't, <laughs> you can't find that perfect thing. You know, no. it's either too it hot or too doesn't exist. The porridge is either too hot or too cold, or you know whatever it is. But we're we're not going to talk about the weather. We're going to talk about cyber. We're going to talk about insurance. You are an insurance geek. Yeah. Um, I'll give you insure tech geek since you're since you're running a uh, a, a digital MSA. newly converted insure tech geek, but a long time insurance geek. Yeah, a long time insurance geek, and that's good. So we we have a lot to talk about in cyber because there's a lot to talk about. You need cyber. some of those, yeah. You need a lot of insurance geeks around, 100%. Um, let's talk about you before we actually yeah. jump into the topic of cyber. Um, you are founder and chief operating officer at Alpha Secure. Uh, that's e- just for the listeners, if they want to pull their website up, E-L-P-H-A, not Alpha, L-Alpha, Alpha, like Alphabet, <laughs> uh, E-L-P-H-A, <laughs> Secure. Um, and we're going to talk about that in a second. Let's go back, back into time. You're are you you're from New England? Are you you from the area? Yeah, New York area. Born and raised outside the city. Kind of been here the whole time. Like the, like like New Jersey or, or Connecticut? You're from Connecticut. Uh, right in the middle, Westchester. 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 Connecticut That's... now. Maine for a few years for college. That's where I fly in. I fly into Westchester County Airport. Like nice a, airport. I'll be there. I'll be there a week a week from today. I'll be in yeah. Westchester. A little easier and a little more pleasant than LaGuardia. Everything's yeah, everything's sure. everything's more pleasant than LaGuardia. <laughs> like seriously, it's all more pleasant than LaGuardia. So you're from the area. 
You go to Bates College, a little chilly up there in Bates College. Sure was. Uh, what What did you dream of doing, and what did you get? What did you study to do? Uh, economics. So major in economics, and kind of always, always, always kind of dreamed. Of, well, I say dream, but was very much uh, focused on getting into the kind of finance side of things. You know, go back to the big city. You know, and, and eventually, eventually found my way after a few years um, of consulting, working for a, a small, a very small hedge fund. And that was kind of how my whole insurance career got got started. So it was uh, 2000, beginning of 2005, got hired by a small fund um, that was focused on banks. And I was going to be the, the the fourth banks analyst that they hired. And I was all excited, going to go learn banks. So, was, you know, that was pretty cool, you know, going going working for a small hedge fund. And, uh, and about a month into my month into my tenure there, um, they they decided to to broaden their scope and go beyond just banks and go broader into financial services, and they uh, they you know quickly looked at what are the next large asset classes and, and there's insurance, and they're like all right who wants to who wants to f- cover insurance and I'm sitting there looking around and I'm like well I'll do it <laughs> the only the only one the only one um, uh, you know new guy on the bank side I was like I'm gonna carve out my own domain here so that was it that was been 100% insurance ever since that day so started teaching myself insurance loss ratios like just every <laughs> like the basics <laughs> like the basics. basics oh yeah the basics like what's an expense ratio what's a loss ratio capital charges am who who what what's this organization that's basically the de facto regulator and so you you recall 2005 I'm kind of about 6 months into figuring it out wait and... i love well hold on hold on you and i are like the same age so yeah. I, I love how you glossed over the fact that you endured the dot com collapse. Oh yeah. Nine eleven in uh-huh. New York. Uh the economic collapse of the United States that was after that. Like you just skip right over all of that. I mean, that was a wild time to be in financial services and be an analyst in New York City. Yeah. No, it sure was. It sure was. Yeah, we tried we tried to forget about some of that. Oh yeah, my no, gosh. Was, I mean yeah, it's, it was I- I was up on the World Trade Center August 23rd, 01, visiting some friends of mine that lived in Battery Park City about a block away and was there visiting <laughs> and went up to the towers August 23rd, man. Yeah. Like, I stayed for a week, had a great time, hung out with my buddies who were all financial analysts. I mean, I started my company April 16th of 01, and, uh, you know, we had, had no idea 9-11 was going to just, you know, we had no idea what was what was going to happen to the economy and everything else. It was just nutty, nutty. Yeah, no, so, it sure was. So you navigated and, New York. Yeah, and I lived, I mean, I lived not, I wasn't allowed, kind of, you know, I lived kind of downtown at that point, and it was like, it was like the world just kind of came to a to an end. It was, yep. uh, it was, it was, it was terrible. I was like a year out of school. I had no idea what was going on, like no idea, you know, life, and you're just, and everything just changed. Everything yeah. just changed. Yeah. Um, and, and insurance, and I didn't realize it at the time, but that was, like, obviously a, a, a devastating moment and terrible thing. But, like, the insurance, like, that was, that was a seminal moment for the industry as well. I, yep. I, it was, and, you know, followed a few years later by Katrina, Rita, Wilma, and then, then we got another financial crisis, like, three years after that. I mean, it's a, <laughs> yeah. it, was a, it, was a, it was a rough decade. We've been, we've been very fortunate, and I, I think there's a lot of um, – you know, late twenty somethings, early thirty somethings who have literally never seen a recession yeah. and uh, don't understand what's going on right now, really. Um, 
you know, and it's it's uh, it, it's interesting to be on the other side of the coin and to be kind of sure the salty is. dog older guy who's actually been through two really bad downturns. <laughs> and uh, I even remember 87, 91, like, you know, because I was a kid, but my dad taught, he was a business owner. He talked all about what was going on. And it's, uh, we've been, uh, we've been do something for a while. Yeah. So you, yeah, I, I, go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say, no, I was, at, I was at Citigroup in 2000, basically during the crisis. Yeah. Uh, the second crisis. Jeez. And that was, you didn't know, you didn't know if your key card was going to work that morning showing up. And it was, I mean, what happened with Lean in there just, it was, it was a wild, it was a, yeah. it was a terrible time. So you, so you started covering insurance and you, you actually stayed over in investment management. You were portfolio manager for years and years and years. I was. Yeah. 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 So started off as an analyst um, and that was it. So, you know, it was, it was really, uh, you know, Katrina hit, Rita hit, Wilma hit and balance sheets. It's an amazing thing when you get, you go into insurance, you're starting to learn about it. And what you quickly learn about is there's these things called cycles and they usually last, I don't know, 20 years. And the majority of it sucks. <laughs> They're soft markets, you know, 15, 17 years long, you'll endure one. And then, and then something happens and it all changes. And that was KRW, right? You know, we companies, um, you know, balance sheets got cre- uh, got destroyed and then new balance sheets got created. You had a whole new coming class of, of markets, Bermuda event raised a bunch of capital. And this was four years, you know, right after five years, right after 9-11 and, a, and the first kind of the class of 01 came in. So you have a whole bunch of new companies coming around and, and it was fascinating sidecars, ILS, and we'll, we'll come back to capital markets and ILS, but that began to play its role in the insurance space and kind of being able to kind of watch that from, from the beginning of it was, I mean, that, that's what hooked me. I've always, I've always been a, global insurance analyst or portfolio manager, but um, it's really property and casualty. That's always, that's always kept me, kept me engaged. That's kind of where my love is. Life insurance. I, there's, I know a lot of good people in life insurance. It's uh, it's, that's not for me. I'm a, I'm a PNC guy. Yeah. It's interesting how, uh, how the industry is bifurcated, even though there's, there's, a, there's a lot of companies that, that write both PNC and, there health, are. life, disability. There's plenty of them. I mean, they're they're carrying risk. They, you know, they collect premium and pay out claims. And whether it's a death or a health event or a dental event or, <laughs> you know, uh, there there are companies that spread the line. But it's uh, for me, uh, longtime PNC guy. Uh, I am doing work building technology and and health, life, dental, supplemental health, not primary mm-hmm. health. Um. It's been a lot because there's already so much to learn. I, I, I've been building software in PNC and working with PNC carriers, brokers, DPAs for 18 years. Yeah. And I still don't feel like I know everything I need to know. I'm like, you learn stuff every day. I know. I'm like, yeah. I'm like, where was this for the last yeah. 18 years? You know, I yeah. mean, it's, it's like, it's a, it's a bizarre thing because I felt like in the, I've worked in other industries, and I feel like you can get your hands around something in about five years. So, you know, Malcolm Gladwell's old ten thousand hour mm-hmm. rule, and I, I don't feel like that applies to insurance. Like, there's just yeah. it's too there, there's so many there's so many little niches that are yeah. that are like you can spend an entire career in this niche, like 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 P, like PEOs. You yeah. you can just do yeah. PEOs, yeah. right? And like and like you take a you take a standard PNC insurance person and introduce them. To professional employment organizations and what? their yeah. brain will come unhinged <laughs> yeah no well that was that was it with with pnc for me really like early days i realized i could start start covering the space and I'd go to all these conferences and what i realized was there was like 10 of us who were dedicated to the insurance space most people that cover insurance were 
like they covered all financials, they're doing banks, asset managers, and like insurance was this redheaded stepchild. So they were like kind of told they had to look at insurance, but no one wanted to look at insurance. So there's only like 10 or 12 other people that are actually dedicated to covering the space. Like I could compete there. That's great. I mean, you think about, you go back those days, like tech companies, hundreds and hundreds of buy side analysts, you know, focused on covering XYZ company, you know, how many people were actually dedicated and, fo and focused on, you know, AIG or, or Zurich, like a dozen, right? <laughs> like I, you know, it's like, what's your business model? Like you could be the smartest guy in the room and there's no one else in the room. So and I just started dug, dug in and that was, that was it, you know, and it was realized there was, there was so much to learn here that it was, it was easy to stay ahead of other people who were only spending 10% of their time focused on it. Yeah. Well, you, in, in 2018, just four short years ago, you founded um, Mountain Road Advisors. You were founder and portfolio manager at Mountain Road Advisors. What, what did y'all do there at Mountain Road? Yeah, so it was a global global insurance fund, long, short public equity. So, you know, same honestly, same thing I've been doing for the last, you know, 18 years, um, 10 of it as a, as a portfolio manager, just, just running long, short public equity. So, Every public company, uh, public insurance company on a global basis, over and from, you know, again, Zurich, AIG, down to, the, you know, the Bermudans, to Axis, Valadis, once upon a time before it got, you know, all the brokers, those are all my domain. So, um, and I ran a portfolio, um, uh, you know, a few hundred million dollars, again, dedicated purely to the space, right? So I'd spend my day job was, you know, it'd be anything from meeting with a, a C-suite, you know, executive, kind of going through the you know, the quarterly numbers are talking about the strategy all the way down to line underwriters, brokers, what's going on in the, what's going on in the DNO domain, you know, where, where addition, where's the product evolving. And that was, that was it. And then you take all that knowledge and you, and you figure out who's going to, who's going to win and who's going to lose. Um, and, you know, through that, through that lens, watched the insure tech evolution, watched the evolution of the cyber insurance product um, and kind of, you know, during my time on the road, met um, my co-founder Preetam Dutta, who was at, at his time getting uh, getting his PhD in machine learning and cybersecurity. I'm like, all right, he's he's the he's your kind of like quintessential like entrepreneur, right? And I'm like, all right, you know, cyber insurance knows you know a brilliant guy, and we put our heads together, and um, with my kind of domain knowledge of what the cyber product looked like and where I thought it was ultimately headed, and his knowledge of actually how knowing how to build what we needed to build um, out of that came alpha. Mm. Um, what, what uh, did you just close down mountain road? I, I did. I did. Yeah. yeah. And, and so you obviously were really to, to shut down something like that, that's going that well. I mean, you've got to really believe there's a real opportunity here. I, 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 I certainly do. Yeah, no, it is. A, I think it's one. I think it's one of the biggest opportunities the insurance space has seen in, in decades. Yeah. So, um, first off, tell me why why is the company named Alpha Secure E L P H A Secure? Well, um, we like the elephant. <laughs> There's uh, lots of lots of lots of lots of reasons there, um, and Alpha itself. Uh, so Alpha with an A. You know, that's something that is. Uh, you know, it's. it's Alpha is important in anything. It's important when you think about loss ratios, right? Like we're very focused on loss ratios, right? So, how do you, how do you how do you generate a good business? Well, have alpha in your loss ratio, right? Have a better loss ratio than everyone else. Um, for my kind of prior uh, career, um, purely focused on generating alpha, right? That's what as an investor, that's that's what you do. So, 
there was lots of things, uh, lots of reasons why uh, why Alpha worked. Um, we liked the elephant, um, the mind. You know, there was you know, it keeps, um, it's a uh, it was a it was a basically it worked. So, is Alpha Secure a tech company or an insurance company? It's a great question. It's a great question. Um, or, it is or, a, or is that a trick question? <laughs> no, it's you know, it's it's. Um, we're a tech company, but we're we're truly leveraging the insurance apparatus to deliver our our tech. And so, and so, what do I mean by that? So we we're we're an MGA, right? And you obviously know what an MGA is. So an MGA, you are, um, you know, you're you're completely, you know, you leverage other people's balance sheets, right? Like we don't have a balance sheet, we don't want a balance sheet, but you need to utilize balance sheets because you are generating risk. You're engineering the risk, or at least we are, and then we're placing it on other people's balance sheets, right? So we need to work very much within the confines of, of the traditional insurance apparatus because we work with balance sheets. We have phenomenal balance sheets partners, um, and they're very important to us. Um, but really what we're doing is we're actually distributing to small businesses, which is our focus, um, tech software that solves for their cyber needs in this environment, right? And we're combining that with insurance, cyber insurance, also another critical tool that they need. And we're leveraging, you know, the traditional insurance distribution apparatus, brokers, um, to be able to uh, access that small business, you know, at the, at the beginning of their cyber journey, right? So, and that is, and a lot of people are there right now. Yeah. A lot of people are at the beginning of their cyber journey. Uh, yeah, but you're, uh, you know, so so you, you said some things that are kind of like trigger hot words right now in yeah, insurance. So first off, you said uh, you're working through brokers. So you're not pursuing direct to consumer. You're not pursuing pursuing direct to the end business. You you're only selling through distribution partners. We, uh, we are we are today. Yeah. So why cyber... why not like you know in sure tech space it's it's you know, know you know uh, it it it's uh, it's super hot right now. To uh, to try and go direct to the end buyer, whether that buyer is a consumer or a business owner, um, what was that line from Zoolander where he said that? Uh, oh, he's so hot. Remember that? Remember that? He's like, <laughs> he's like, he's so hot right now. It's uh, it's Hans. It is. Hans is so hot right now. Um, it, it's so hot right now to go direct. Uh, why why work through traditional distribution? It is um, because. When you when you kind of like you spend a lot of time focused on distribution as an insurance analyst, right? And what what we realize is, and if direct for small commercial simple Bob type policies works. When you get towards specialty types products, it's just the, the demand isn't in the direct channel yet. I, it will be, like it definitely will be. And for cyber, just because it's kind of a, a digital type of, you know, you're already in that mindset. I think it might move more quickly into the direct line than our direct channel versus um, other lines of business. But um, the, we're just getting to a point where we're, we're, you know, small business, simple, small business policies are, are going direct. I mean, it, it took years to get auto like this, the, to go direct, right. It just, I think the, the, the culture here um, is just, it's just a little, it's just taking a little bit longer than we'd all had hoped to go direct. Um, and then you you look at what's happened before, and there has been cyber insurance um, MGAs who have tried to go direct, yep. and there's just no appetite. There's just the appetite isn't they, there. They've, and had, they've had a hard time scaling, and 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 and, and most of, most of them have that have tried there have pivoted and gone yep. back. In fact, 
cyber, I mean, you know how you got direct and you got retail and you have wholesale. Um, cyber is just coming out of the wholesale distribution channel and moving into, into retail. And so once you get, you know, and it's a, it's a natural evolution, you know, you get the, the retail, once they actually begin to sell it, that that's when it'll move into, into direct. That's the kind of the natural evolution. But, but you, you have done what others have done. Um, and you have provided a suite of technology tools to go along with yes. insurance. It's required. You have to use your technology. Correct. If you don't, you get non-renewed. Correct. And and we build some of the the, the coverages to kind of tie the compliance to basically um, ensure that the the software is used. Yeah, which we've now seen in multiple other lines, right? Yeah. So there are auto insurance policies mm -hmm. that are only valid if you're on uh, tracking either through the app or through the OBD2 port in the car. <clears throat> you know, there there are home insurance policies that are tying IoT in, so you have to have some level of home monitoring. Yep. There's, I mean, we, we can walk through the the list of, uh, of lines that are connecting, but this one, because it's a digital product, is, is probably the best suited product to, to tie to a technology it, offering it really is no it really is um and and the and the way the way we kind of think about it is it was, it was only natural that cyber was going to go there right because um and kind but of isn't it back. interesting that it didn't for like 20 years i mean well, you know uh, why i've had cyber a long time oh yeah and, of course you have because you're a smart buyer <laughs> and you probably paid for years you paid 10 percent less for a decade if you were buying cyber that long ago oh, yeah. right and every and what happened was it was like always going to be this massive this massive like pie that was going to grow and be 10 20 30 billion of premium but god five years ago it was barely one and a half like it was still a pretty small line of business but all the carriers knew it was going to be big and they did what we do in a, in a soft cycle they compete compete for market share and drive down the price and immediately throw out all sense of underwriting. And so controls were just not necessary, you know, until ransomware happens and all of a sudden loss ratios explode, margins go you know, terrible and the underwriters and C-suites go, what? Stop. And this happened. It was literally, you could kind of pinpoint the bottom of the soft market. It was the third week of January a year ago. And we're like 14 months in. And it was on, sadly, it was like the last line of business to turn, like almost every other line of business in PNC turned before cyber did. Um, it was really kind of ransomware off the back of the work from home, um, you know, movement that really just, just really changed it. And now, now you can't get a policy at all, unless you have a ton of controls in place right that's just they said you oh. know it moved really quickly like no backups no nfa no insurance and now it's soon going to be no edr and no insurance like and so the demand on small businesses for to have controls in place to even access the insurance market is getting harder and harder by the day so yeah that's by, an understatement yeah. of the century and, have and, you tried uh, to fill out an RSA, the ransomware supplemental application? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I had to fill it out for renewal. Um, it's 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 a lot. It's a, yeah. It's a lot. I mean, Gordon, I told you before the show, I'm a little sore about this because my premium my, my premiums just tripled, and I'm I have been a responsible long term buyer of cyber. Yeah. And um, it's tough to see your premiums go up literally three x. Um, it it's tough. 
at the same time. But it, admittedly, you were paying way too little a year ago. You knew it, <laughs> but you knew it. who wants to admit that? <laughs> who wants to admit that? In particular, when it's when your when your E and O is bundled with your cyber because you're a tech company, so they ha- yeah. they really need to. It's yeah. It's it's a it's a really interesting how soft the market was for that yeah. long, and um, boy, frequency and severity just both popped through the roof, didn't they? So, you know, it's interesting. So a lot of people point to ransomware as like the culprit was really kind of causing your, your triple and, and whatnot. And it, it was, it was kind of what got things moving. But um, what really has defined the hard market and will continue to is the aggregation issue of cyber. And so like, you know, you get to kind of the year end of 2020, 2020 and the attritional loss ratios are exploding. Like the industry is not probably quite a triple digits, but it was, it, we, were in a, uh, we were in a bad place. Um, but it was, then you have solar winds in December, then you have exchange, the Microsoft Exchange vulnerability in January, you had these two back-to-back systemic risks where people like Solarwinds was like 18,000 organizations. Were it was in everywhere. I was everywhere. everywhere. And I was, and I, and I was so happy to not be a SolarWinds user, but to I mean, me, that was, that was, that was the moment. That was like the panic moment where people were like, Oh my God, we haven't. So ransomware, that's an attritional loss ratio issue, right? That's not, that wasn't cat. That wasn't systemic. Um, it was just you have massive step function in the attritional loss ratio, which by the way, we probably haven't seen that much of a step function in attritional loss ratios in any line of business in uh, forever. But then you have that. And then on top of that, people realize, Oh my God, I have, cat exposure in in cyber that i never realized i have 70 percent of my book is exposed to solar winds like let's say that wasn't you know a <laughs> vulnerability used for espionage but used for actually ransomware you know type of, um all of a sudden you go oh my god this is my book can literally explode on that and that is what people realize the aggregation issue in cyber was it, it'll make property cat aggregation look like child's play um just the limits exposed on the industry's balance sheet weren't large enough where people were that concerned about it and now they're waking up to it and the demand is now for for limit is growing so extraordinarily at such a you know uh, at such a rate that the industry itself does not have the ability to solve for the capacity and that is why we're in this like hard market that started as a classic response to to a loss ratio change, but then is only going to be uh, expanded on because people realize the aggregation issue is so is so severe. But what it's a like, great time to have a cyber MGA. I mean, uh, timing is good. Timing yeah, is good. timing is yeah. really good to have. A, I mean, yeah. to, have, to have a big hard market come around about halfway yeah. a year and a half into your your company. So, all right, you, what software are you writing and building yourself, and what are you just using from other people? I don't need to yeah, know so, what languages, but just tell me, <laughs> tell me, so tell every, me, tell yeah, me what uh, it is you say you do here to quote Office Space. Yeah, no, absolutely. So, so you know, everything we build is proprietary, and and we have some brilliant engineers. And so, essentially, what we did is we we looked at the loss ratio for guidance. Kind of weird thing to build a tech company on, right? But you go, what are driving losses for insurance, right? Because our Business models predicated on insurance carriers who are focused on loss ratios. <laughs> Amazing concept. And so, what was driving losses? Um, ransomware, right? So, what was driving ransomware losses, which are about two thirds of the loss content, was all um, was basically ransomware. So, how do you solve for ransomware? Well, RDP, open RDP ports, was uh, the attack vector that drove over sixty percent of all ransomware incidents. So, build MFA. 
to, yeah. to close your RDP port. Like it's not, it's not crazy, but you know, small businesses, they don't even know what an RDP port is. Yeah, and they go try to price out you Okta or you're like what the cost of that. And they, the software was not built for like sub 1000 endpoints. So we, we built it. So let's, it, so let's explain yeah. what this is to the average listener out here that uh, might not know what that means. RDP remote desktop protocol that's when you like log into a machine remotely and see the screen of the remote, remote machine on your machine. Um, back in the day, back in the day, and I mean way back in the day, um, we, there, there was a time when servers didn't have firewalls in front of them. Okay, I'm just going to lay this out. There was a time in the early, like when, when, when Gordon and I got our career starts, that people just like plugged servers into the Internet, uh, and there was nothing protecting them. And, then, and, and so you could just like, uh, you, you would just go do what's called a port scan on an IP address range, and you would just find all these open ports of all these machines that were listening on the Internet. And then you would start connecting to them, kind of like the 1983 movie War Games where he just dialed random numbers until he found one that picked up and he could connect, right? Matthew Broderick, great movie. If you haven't watched it, you must go watch it because just, it just keeps replaying itself over and over again. So you have all this, you have all this exposure with all these people who have all these old servers that are just plugged into the Internet, and they have, like, you know, pass through of all these ports, and uh, they're just exposed to the Internet and open. They're not closed. And MFA, by the way, when he says that's multi-factor authentication, which is pretty much a requirement now uh, on everything because it's so effective at shutting down attacks. It's a very, very – shutting down ports and requiring multi-factor authentication is incredibly effective yeah. at securing systems. All right, Everyone, so, if you're listening, use MFA. Yes, But, yeah, MFA. no, that's exactly right. So – and so we closed down a lot of the frequency by just putting MFA in front of RDP um, access. And then backups, right? Having an offsite segmented backup that you could access and restore from if, God forbid, you do get ransomed um, is critical, right? Because then you don't need to pay the ransom. Your business interruption costs go down and your data restoration costs go down. Those three insurance agreements were, again, like comprised two-thirds of the loss content. So you kind of start with what's driving losses. Um, and, you know, if you think about small businesses, they have, they don't have any of that, right? So it's like, you're kind of like putting seatbelts in the car, right? And they don't need enterprise grade software. They can afford enterprise grade software, Never mind install it, maintain it, configure it. So what we set out to do was build something that was very simple, very kind of, um, you know, make, make a small business, uh, be able can actually uh, have hygiene, like build a proper security posture so they could kind of survive and thrive in this environment, but actually not inundate them with with so much of a change of user workflow, kind of consume, you know, all their, all their, you know, the, the bandwidth on all their bandwidth, all their RAM, et cetera, like, cause they just don't have the ability to, to work and work in that type of environment. So we built a very lightweight solution it's an endpoint agent that sits there and gives you all the tools you need that you would otherwise in this environment have to go procure on your own and spend an immense amount of money to then have the luxury of going back to pay them for the premium. So we include all those within the price of the premium. So it's an incredible value proposition for a small business who doesn't have $30,000 to spend on EDR, backup, MFA, and an insurance policy. You get it all from us for it's a all bundled. fraction of that. Yeah, it's all bundled, right? Yeah. So, and you think about, so the agent today is going to their insured with a quote from Pick Your, Pick Your Carrier. This quote, subjectivity is quote, you got to install MFA across your organization, right? Our subjectivity is you got to install our software. Our software that we're giving you is, is, is free. It's, per, it's within the price of the premium. 
the MFA software that you have to install to bind with everyone else, you got to go pay money for that, right? So inherently, right. you're pushing you're pushing a bunch of, of a cost burden onto the insurer. You are. You are. You're putting a much higher cost burden than just the premium. Are, what if they already have something like Azure B2C, like they've got MFA and single sign-on, and they've, they've got all this stuff there? Like what if you're yeah, so, what if your so software there's, gets so there's in two the way? Le- there's two levels of that. There's guys that have all that stuff and are great risks that they're not for us. They're going to someone who who is someone else. We're really we're really geared to that person who may have one tool, two tools, and our 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 um our software works hand in hand. If you already have something, very easy. We're very adaptable. Like it's not it's it's super simple to run side by side. Um, oh, cool. But most of these businesses have have nothing, or if they have something, they're going. Oh, I could stop paying for this because you're giving me essentially within my premium costs like so there's a lot there's a lot of that that's there's a lot of that that happens yeah that's awesome this is a lot to take on right it's a lot to take on to to build all the cybersecurity software and to run a cyber mga well right so i'm assuming because you're the insurance guy that you spend more of your time running the insurance operations and your technical co-founder is really focusing on the cybersecurity division that's correct. Yeah. So how how's it going? It's going well. It's going well. Yeah. We launched we launched a few weeks ago, so we're we're, we're in where, the market and we're where are you writing business? Um, we're we're writing business well in the U.S. Um, all fifty states. We have a, a number of of, uh, of of agents who are on on boarded quoting policies, binding policies. Um, it's good. We've really found our sweet spot to be that kind of that's that small business who is like. A lot of you know professional services organizations it's five lawyers and they're like they know they need to buy cyber insurance but they literally don't have a single control in place maybe they have antivirus on their computer um like that's that's where we win that's where we're gonna win um you know kind of meet them meet them at the beginning of their cyber journey and then and then capture them for life you give them good product good protection both insurance as well as software that's a great that's a great relationship Right. And you're and you're aligned. Right. You're the, the alignment is what I think is, is really exciting because you're aligned with your insured. You want to protect them, keep them from getting ransomed or any other type of incident. You're aligned with your capacity partners. Right. Because they are they all they, they care about their loss ratios. Right. And so you have this kind of like pro cyclical effect at the front end where those insureds that are compliant that respond well send an alert you have out of date you have an out of, you know out of date software there's you know you know a bunch of critical security patches in this like if they're quick to update that's wonderful that might be a, that might positively inform the renewal if they never respond to the alert that's a bad that's a bad risk right price them up and out sure. they're going to that's eventually a claim waiting to happen put them on someone else's book so you have this kind of positive selection that continues to grow as the portfolio firms yeah. and and the data is, is critical too, right? We're we're on the other side of the firewall, help helping them. Um, but the data is very valuable from an underwriting perspective. Um, it's it's telemetry data, right? Yeah, Think but, about your snapshot. You're you're for progressive, like it's, yeah. Well, you you can sell them other insurance though too, because once you once you're once you're on the other side of their firewall, you can say. Are, so are you bundling uh, E and O with your cyber? Not yet, not yet, but on the on the roadmap. Yeah, like that would be the the next logical. Yeah, it sure is. Right, like sure is, is is selling E and O, and then you could even dive into some more interesting insurance. Like what, what, once you once you once you have a lot of data on what's going on in the organization, 
um, it, it seems to me like there would be uh, a few other lines that would be very nice add-ons. Let me think like about a, like it. Like, do, you like think a pos- for, do you think there's a positive correlation with how, how seriously they take their cyber controls and with every other liability? Yeah, EPL, absolutely, you know, absolutely. Workers' comp, property. D- I mean, there's... You know, DNO. I mean, like... Mm-hmm. I mean, there's a... I, you know, is it, is yeah, it, don't, we gotta, we gotta walk before we can run. No, so I know, you know, I know, but yeah, it's, I, it's, I know, but it's, but it's, it, but it's, it a, it's, it's it, you're, you're always looking for causation, not just cor- correlation, right? Like causality, not just correlation. Yes. And so, uh, you know, I'm a huge Star Trek fan and I'm always looking for the guy in the red shirt, you know, because, uh, in Star Trek, the guy in the red shirt always dies. And, um, you know, that's, that's, that's correlation. Like wearing the red shirt doesn't cause death, but, it just so happens that Gene Roddenberry wrote it that whenever a guy's wearing a red shirt in the original series, he's going to get whacked. And and so I always say, like, show me the guy in the red shirt. You know, like, if you can, you know, I've, I um, I know there's a lot of heat uh, that, that auto and home guys take over over um, collecting credit scores, right? There's a lot of discussion around credit scores being positively correlated to risk outcomes on residential and, and auto. Um, I mean, they use it for a reason. Always, yeah, yeah. They use it for a reason, right? Um, I would think this would be another one of those really big ones, you know, because controls, controls, just controls in general. This is the guy who was, I, I, my before I started this company, I was an intern. I was a controls intern, Price Warehouse. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay. There you go. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, like you understand it, controls. I, I uh. spent a little time in controls. I was paid to break into things, and um. It was it was interesting to see um, if they if they had controls in one place they often had them everywhere right exactly and so that made them a better risk in exactly. general and so exactly. so I like the angle I like the angle a lot and I've seen look I've seen other cyber MGAs that are doing cyber liability like I've seen I've seen this mm-hmm. um, uh, but but. I haven't seen them where they're where they're building the entire suite of cyber software. Uh, you know, that's I think probably because it's such a big lift to build that. It is a big lift, and and we're focused on and we're focused on small and kind of medium sized businesses for that, right? We're yeah. we're not going to serve large, right? Large, it's a, it's a different product. Large, you have a CISO, he's got a team and a budget, yeah, yeah, and yeah. they procure their own software, right? And that's what they're there for. But in small. Um, it's manageable. It's manageable. What about yeah. what? What about like intrusion detection and prevention systems? Like, are you building? Are you building a physical piece of hardware, or is everything you're doing software? Oh, software. So you're not you're not putting like you know back in the day, which was a Wednesday, we would buy an IDS system, and it was actually a pizza box that you'd throw into your server cabinet, and you know all the traffic would be copied to that pizza box. So what are are you doing intrusion detection and prevention with like a virtual machine? I know I know I know I promise I wouldn't get too technical. <laughs> I'm sorry. No, what we're you know what we're doing so what we have is we basically have a uh, our telemetry tool, think of it as an EDR. So the kind of the endpoint detection and response. Yeah. Um, we have all we have all that functionality. So to be able to to look for anomalous behavior, yeah. to be able to look for So you're doing, um, you're, doing you're, you're you're doing packet inspection on the traffic? Absolutely. Okay. Mm. Mm. Man. That is a lot of code to write. <laughs> we, got some, we got some brilliant guys doing it. Yeah. So where is everybody located? Are y'all all over the country, all over the world? Where where's where the where's the team? Yeah, we're 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 all over. Um, we have kind of a I'd say there's a there's a core group around the in the tri-state area around New York, um, but we have a, a fair bit of tech talent up in um, up in Canada, 
as well. So kind of U.S. and Canada, but all over. It's a, you know, you kind of start a company in a virtual world. You know, it um, turns out they're good at making more than just maple syrup in Canada. Oh, they're phenomenal, yeah. I love Canada. Yeah. Like I love I love visiting Canada. I yeah. miss visiting Canada. Yeah. <laughs> so it's a good it's a good place. It's a good place, man. It's a good place. Good talented people. Um they know how to endure winter, like you guys. They do. They've yeah. got their they're hardy. They're hardy. Yeah. They all go to California and Florida for the wintertime. <laughs> That's how they endure <laughs> it. Every <laughs> time every time I go to Cal- like Southern Florida, Southern California in the wintertime is filled with Canadians. I'm like, You guys yeah. you guys love you say you love your country, but you don't love it five months a year. Um so, all right, last question, then we're done. Yes, sir. What's next? What's next? So, What's to me, th- what, what is next is continuing to, well, obviously build the business and evolve the business. But I think what's really, what's really fascinating about the, the cyber insurance space is kind of what I was alluding to earlier, just the supply demand, right? The demand is incredible. The amount of capacity on the, on the PNC balance sheet to serve cyber is, is finite, and we're pretty much there. So that's why I kind of you talk about this perpetual hard market, like, and, and the question to me and what we want to solve is, is how, is how do you fill that gap, right? You got demand going like this and you have supply that's massively underperforming it. And the only way to do that is via the capital markets. And so we've had this, and this is why you kind of go back to KRW, you learn a lot about how capital markets came in as that release valve to be able to supply capacity to a market that really needed limit. And either property limit and cat limit. Um, and that is exactly what's happening in cyber. So what we're really kind of focused on beyond just kind of the building of, of the technology is how do we actually bring that capacity to our insureds to be able to kind of offer them a sustainable product, but also systemic risk cover, right? Like there's, you know, potential movement in the industry where you might be able not be able to buy systemic risk. You could buy kind of a, an attritional policy that just protects you. But if the same risk that hits you hits 10 others, it might be excluded because that is a very expensive risk to cover if AWS goes. I mean, we could go through all the hypotheticals and there's plenty of phenomenal you know, cyber models that do a good job of trying to figure out single points of failure and the impact. But the impact is large. Yeah. Um, and, it's, and, it's, and the only way to really solve it is to diversify cyber risk on more than just balance sheets that, that maintain... PNC and life liabilities. Okay. So they, they, that's where this is all headed. So we're very focused on being able to kind of tap into that at the front end of the value chain, right? You know, you don't want it going out the back door through a reinsurance broker to the ILS market. You want to be able to do it at the front, facilitate that risk transfer. Um, and that's that's really exciting from our perspective. Is penetration testing part of the offering here? Uh, it is not. So you're not externally pen testing your clients? Uh, we are not. We do no. We we do not. Okay. Um, I was curious because that's that's one of those things that's um, you know often required uh, or mandated. It depends on the uh, on the on the sector. So enough about that celebrity uh, doppelganger and Voppelganger. And we, you're going to say, James, what is a Voppelganger? That is, is a, a that, that is a voice doppelganger. That is a voice doppelganger. Oh. You, <laughs> I, I think you it must. Like fun. I think you must be second. Well, see, I've been in. I've been podcasting for seven years now, and I've heard a lot of voices. Some that are entirely fabricated in my head, and some that are actually in my headset. But you are a a doppel and voppelganger, 
with one of my favorite characters of all time. This is a guy named Jim Halpert from The Office. He, he had some famous lines. Don't you mean Jack Ryan? So, well, I'm going to say you do look more like his Jack Ryan manifestation. You do look like he's got the beard and you got the hair and... You know, you, but I'm just going to say for all the people who are listening, who are going to watch, I'm going to have Jim Greenlee, our podcast producer. I'm going to have him do a side by side with Gordon and a uh, image of Jack Ryan. Uh, so we're going to we're going to look at you're John, a good John. you're a good man, James. You so, could have gone anywhere with this. But so I, I so I'm going to do it. We're, appreciate we're going to do a side by side with 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 John Krasinski oh, and Gordon Gordon Malin because. I mean, it's it, it is it is it is creepy. It's been freaking me out. Some favorite Jim Shirt, Hal- shirts on, please. Shirts, so, on, please. shirts on, yeah. shirts on for this. <laughs> so the Jim Halpert quotes are a plenty. I love Jim. Uh, I love Jim Halpert. Uh, uh, my, one of my yeah. one of my favorite ones. I'm going to leave you with this. My favorite, probably my favorite quote from Jim Halpert. I'm about to do something very bold in this job that I've never done before. Try. <laughs> <laughs> So, so uh, you know, it, it's been a pleasure talking with you uh, again. Yeah, real El- pleasure. Alpha Secure, E L P H A Secure dot com. Um, thanks for joining us today, and thanks for being on the InsureTech Geek Podcast. Yeah, my pleasure. Thanks for having me, and everybody out there in listener land. Thank you for listening. We'll see you next week. This has been the InsureTech Geek Podcast, uh, powered by JB Knowledge. That's jbknowledge.com. dot com. It's all about transforming and disrupting the insurance world. I've been your host, James Benham. That's jamesbenham.com with co-host Rob Galbraith. That's endofinsurance.com. Big thanks to Jim Greenlee, our podcast producer, Kara Dalton-Alro, our creative producer. And thank you for joining us today. We're taking you on a journey through insurance tech. So enjoy the ride and geek out. See you next time.